Hello and welcome to In Conversation, a podcast series from luxury shopping destination Matches Fashion, hosted and produced by me, Danielle Rodeutchen, bringing together a fashion designer in conversation with an artist whose practice inspires them. The fashion designer Erdem Moralioglu is interested in how clothes move, which is why his fellow guest on this episode is the perfect dance partner, former Royal Ballet Principal Edward Watson. They had much to discuss. For starters, both men are celebrating career milestones. Since launching his London-based women's wear label 15 years ago, Erdem, who's originally from Canada, has become one of the more established names in British fashion. For spring, he's added a menswear line to his brand, and recently he was awarded an MBE in recognition for his services to the fashion industry. He has long felt an affinity with the ballet, and a few years back he was commissioned by the choreographer Christopher Wielden to create costumes for Corbiantic Games, his production for the Royal Ballet. For his part, Edward has just brought his celebrated 27-year career to an end with Wayne McGregor's The Dante Project begun before the pandemic and for which he took his final curtain call in autumn this year. Originally from South London, he has over the years featured in major roles in works by everyone from Frederick Ashton to Kenneth Macmillan, and he was awarded the MBE in 2015. The pair met through a mutual friend and it wasn't long before Erdem had invited Edward to be movement director for his autumn winter 2021 fashion show, which was staged at the Bridge Theatre and featured dancers from the Royal Ballet. This recording took place on the first cold, damp morning in autumn at Five Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse in Mayfair. Over several warming cups of black coffee, the pair sat down to compare feelings over endings and new beginnings, about what makes a great stage costume and what doesn't, and their thoughts on gender and clothing. Hi Ed. Hi Adam. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, very well. I'm thrilled to be here with you today. It's um, actually, I've seen you very, very recently. Yeah, a week ago, every week. (laughs) Every week. I've been seeing you on a weekly basis. So actually two weeks ago, I saw you on stage at the Royal Opera House and you were dancing in Wayne McGregor's extraordinary Dante project. Yeah. And then a week later, I saw you to celebrate your retirement. Drunk after it was all done. Very, (laughs) ever so slightly tipsy. Um, Celebrating your extraordinary 27-year career. Yeah, it was my last performance as a a full-time member of the Royal Ballet at the Opera House. So we kind of marked it with a matinee show and then a party, which was, yeah, amazing. Well, I was thrilled to be there, but I thought we could start by talking about Wayne McGregor's piece, The Dante Project, which was kind of just an extraordinary moment. I think after the kind of two years we've just had, I remember being so excited to have tickets to The Dante Project for um, the original date, which was, I think, probably about 18 months ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. How, how was it? How was the whole process? It was a long, drawn-out uh, process. I think we started work on on the first act uh, in 2019, probably around 
April, May, we started working on it. And then we opened the first act when we were on tour in Los Angeles in July 2019. And then I think we were supposed to open the rest of it in February 2020. And then, oh no, we were supposed to start work on it February 2020. And we're supposed to open in June that year. And then obviously there was a pandemic which got in my way. <laughs> oh my and um, so, yeah, it was then you know, sitting at home, waiting, wondering if this thing was going to happen. The dates kept getting pushed back. We thought it would be a two-week kind of uh, moment where we didn't rehearse. And I was quite excited about that. I thought I'd have a sit down for two weeks. And then, you know, sort of two years later, we ended up, you know, we got back in the studio and started working again. And I'm really just glad I hung on and we made it, made it happen because it, it was amazing. And, you know, I think in a funny kind of way, the gap and the the will to make this work happen kind of really spurred everybody to just go deeper and find find really what was there. I mean, it was amazing seeing, um, well, seeing the three acts. So, of course, it's, it's, it's based on Dante's Inferno. So mm. you have the first act, Hell, mm-hmm. the second act, which is... Purgatory. Purgatory. And then the last act... Paradise. Paradise. Yeah, which this was journey through all of that. Amazing. And... It, and I'm correct in thinking that actually you guys were able to perform the first act, Hell, mm-hmm. in L.A. Yeah. And then the last two acts were kind of... They were made post-pandemic or, you know, in, in the last... I think when we started working was uh, August. Yeah. So that's all really recent. But the Hell, the Inferno section kind of really does stand on its own as a as a one act. It was such a big hit when we were in L.A., so we kind of knew that it was it was going to be good, whatever. I think what struck me about it was um, two things. Was Well, I thought the collaboration with Tessa Dean, mm-hmm. extraordinary artist, was amazing. The other was that it was, you know, you could really feel that Wayne had worked with the composer. Mm-hmm. The music, mm. the score was so yeah. extraordinary. Yeah, he asked, um, I think the main idea came from Thomas Adez, actually, the composer. And I think he, I think it was his idea to do a kind of a Dante divine comedy moment. Um, and I think that's way, often Wayne's way of being, you know, a collaborator or, or you know, um, puts together, surrounds himself with these group of collaborators. I think he lets them do what they want mm. to start with. I don't think he puts restrictions on anybody and then he gets inspired or interested by what they've done and then it becomes this this thing. I don't think, I mean, obviously they had, you know, discussions and things about what it should be. And um, But I think the music, I think he just let Tom write this thing and then respond to it. It was amazing. Um, I think it's great to actually start by giving maybe the listeners just a little bit of background information as to how how we met and and also the fact that we've worked together so i thought um maybe i'll go back in time mm-hmm. to when i first met you which i believe was through the amazing lauren cuthbertson lauren louise yeah uh who, an amazing dancer at the royal ballet and she introduced us and then i think we got to know each other while i was doing the costumes for corbanta games yeah which was a piece um choreographed by christopher wielden another artistic director who mm-hmm. worked very very closely with um and then of course we would go on to collaborate ourselves where yeah. 
who worked together on the last Fall Winter Collection, which was staged at the Bridge Theatre, where you effectively choreographed the show. It was an amazing, it was an amazing kind of kind of cross pollination. What's your thought about dance and fashion? It's often associated with each other. What's what 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 are your thoughts on? That? Yeah, I mean, I think working with you was amazing because you were you are were uh, kind of like a choreographer. You, <laughs> you died last night. You're um, you're like you work like a choreographer. Like you have a, a strong idea of what you want it to look like, and then you were kind of work like a choreographer would with dancers. How you know you use them to make that idea come to life. It was the same with me. You know, I actually felt like I, I didn't really have to have hugely strong ideas about something because it's your vision. You saw how you wanted it to be. And, it, you know, the collection was inspired by dance. So kind of a lot of the work was just done. Um, and I think that, that, that kind of thing with dance and fashion is, it's, it's, you know, we're used to costumes, but we also know how to make something move mm. in a way. There's movement to your work and then there's movement um that you know a dancer can bring or a choreographer can arrange you know groups of things to make to make that work and i know you know it's kind of it wasn't complicated it seemed like a natural natural thing to do oh yeah you know let's 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 make those things move it's um it was so it was so extraordinary to work with you because of course the, the, the collection as you said was inspired by dance i was particularly looking at like the arc of a dancer's career mm -hmm. and, and in this instance it was about kind of margot fontaine and her life on stage and off stage yeah. and the kind of the contrast of those two of those two lives and mm. and what was what was amazing is is which was very much um you know this like, kind of inspired idea uh that you had of bringing in retired ballet dancers, um, you know, these extraordinary women in their 70s, mm -hmm. 60s, 50s, 40s, mm -hmm. um, who, had, who had been through the, the, the Royal Ballet system. Um, it, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a funny year. I, I celebrated 15 years and you've now celebrated 27 years. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's a funny year of kind of milestones and beginnings. It's and that endings. funny looking back moment while still kind of pushing forward. It's like, I know, I know what you mean. It's that the influence of what you did, where, it, what, what would you do with it now? And yeah. Yes. Well, I imagine what everyone is, is, is so intrigued by is, as am I, is what, what's next? I don't, I don't really know. I'm kind of working out. I think for the first time in my life, I've, I've got this um, opportunity to decide myself, which is so rare. You know, I've spent, you know, since I was 11 years old in this Royal Ballet institution of being told what to do, when, where to go, um, work with these people. It's, it's sort of a moment of uh, me working out who I am, what I want, kind of away from the Ed Watson that was on stage the whole time as part of the Royal Ballet. So I'd, I'd taken um, the role that was offered to me to coach the younger dancers in the company, the existing principals, people that I, I actually danced with, and also kind of the, the up and coming talent, which is, is really exciting for me to have um, that responsibility. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of 
old dancers who go, oh, the standards aren't what they used to be, or you know, they don't understand what the Royal Ballet is, they don't know how to move in, the, in this way mm. stylistically. And you know, I could quite easily have joined that group of people who just complains, but I have this opportunity mm. to do something about it and you know, influence them and guide them. And, and I, th I think that's really important and I, and I love it. I love being able to uh, see them change in front of me, have mm. that kind of um, influence over the way they might think about stuff. Uh, so I'm loving that. But in terms of um, a personal outlet, I don't know yet. I don't know. There's a couple of unfinished films from the pandemic that I, I've started to sort of make a bit mm. with different choreographers and, and directors. And I, I love that. I, that, you know, it's not something, it's, you can't just switch it off in a way, mm. which I thought I could. I thought mm. I could go, I'm done with that. I'm exhausted. Actually, it took me a week to go, Oh, there's there's still there's still something there that is still who I am. Um, but you know, I'm 45 now, and and delivering something at a level which people have known to kind of expect from me that's hard, mm. and it's also unnecessary for me to do. So it's it's about you know finding, working out um, what I can do really. And and having collaborated with people like Christopher Wielden, mm -hmm. Wayne McGregor, would you ever? Um, would you ever imagine yourself in those in those shoes as 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 the artistic director, as the person choreographing? Uh, yeah, I think choreographing, probably not. I think you know, I think that's a whole other breed of of person mm. uh, to dancer. I've I've worked with them very closely, and there's a lot of my my I don't know what it is DNA in those ballets because you know they made it on my body. So that's what I delivered. But actually the person that comes up with the ideas and the steps and the concepts, I think that's a whole different kind of brain, which I don't have. In terms of, you know, artistic directing and things, yeah, that's something I'd be really interested in, in sort of having um, the opportunity to um, commission stuff and, you know, acquire ballets from those people. I think that's really interesting. But um, that might be a little way off. I'm, I'm kind of working out, it's a funny moment for me to not have this kind of laser focus, which I've always had. It's mm. sort of these things that are there that I can't kind of get hold of yet. So I'm just, that's a first for me. It's, um, it's interesting, you know, talking to you about this kind of new young generation mm. of dancers and, you know, how their techniques might be different. And, and um, I wondered what challenges you think face them that have changed since you were, let's say, 18 years old and, you know, joining, I mean, you joined the company at a much earlier age than, than 18, but, you know, when you think about yourself yeah. as a, as, as a, a professional working adult, that e was 18. Yeah, exactly. What are the, what are the challenges that are different now than, than there were when you were in that position? I think there's actually less challenges in a way. I think for them, there are more possibilities. There's more mm. opportunity for them. There's more performances than we had, um, we have a, a director who is interested in giving them chances at a younger age. Whereas I think when I joined, you had to wait a long time. There were a lot of big, big stars, Sylvie Guillaume, Darcy Bustle, Jonathan Cope, Eric Mukamadov, they were all still dancing and they all had their big followings. And it was, mm. they had the shows and it was very rare for us to get an opportunity um, so soon. So he's, he's, he's saying, while you're young, while you're talented, while you're eager, let, let's put you on, let's work this out. They, they've got, um, they, they have more hope immediately. Mm. <laughs> Whereas we were like, we know we're going to have to wait. 
um, there's more new work being made. Mm. There's more people arriving in the opera house from outside. There, there's more people like yourself from different worlds coming to bring your vision to what it is. There's more influence from lots of different places. Mm. And I think it's a really exciting time for them, you know, to to raise their game and, and, and deliver, yeah. And what, and, and who's really kind of caught your eye in terms of bright young things, be it dancer, choreographer? There's so many, like, amazing dancers. That they're sort of much braver, they're, they're, and they're much more willing and ready to be absolutely themselves within a work. So you've got Marcelino Sambe, who's just going to take over the world. Joseph Sissons, who's up and coming, Calvin Richardson, you've got um, Francesca Hayward, you've got Anna Rosa Sullivan, you've mm. got all these young dancers who are literally just starting. Mm. William and Bracewell. William Bracewell, Matthew Ball, they're all mm. like these young names that you're, you're hearing, they're all, they're all hungry for it and ready mm. to kind of make, um, make a really big impact. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's sort of great to see, you know, and I, my journey w- was different. It wasn't as immediate, but I kind of wish it had been. <laughs> it's um, it's it's interesting when I when I think back to um, when I was working with the dancers and, and so many of them you you mentioned uh, when I was designing the costumes mm. in two thousand seventeen two thousand eighteen, and and what's really involved in designing costumes for ballet and mm. the kind of the technical. Um, I mean, limitations isn't necessarily the right word, but considerations yeah. that you have to make for yeah, a dancer. They've got to move in it. They've got to... Absolutely. It has to be, you know, how, how many times it gets washed during the week. Yeah. All of those things. Yeah. Um, it was, um, and also very much how you are, you know, you are under the direction of the choreographer. It was, it was, it was amazing to work with Christopher in that kind of proximity as he was creating this, this new piece. Mm. I wanted to ask, when you think back to the last 27 years, was there like a moment that really stands out where the kind of costume really allowed you to kind of embody the character? What, what have been the best costumes? And also, what, was the, what have been your worst? Mm. There's, I, I'm trying to think, there's, there's costumes which look like you're not going to be able to move in them and look really uh, structured and... Uh, almost like non-dance outfits. Like if you think of, um, there's a ballet called Myling by Kenneth Macmillan. They're these big sort of um, military jackets and high-necked things with shoulder pads and things hanging off them, but they're structured in such a way with panels inside that you can't see so you can move normally. So you get you get a real character who was a real-life person and mm. you're wearing an outfit that they would have worn, but you're dancing in it. It's, you know, it's that funny thing with ballet. Sometimes you have to, yeah, he wouldn't have worn tights and a mm-hmm. pair of boots, you know, but I am. But I've got, you know, a, a big signature jacket of his that people recognize that that's who that person was. And as a dancer, that changes how you feel the moment you put it on. You know, mm-hmm. there, there, there could be bits missing in working out who that person is or how they move or how they uh, respond to other people. And then you put that costume on and you're like, oh, I get it. I get mm-hmm. it now. There's a kind of a stiffness to it, but you can still move. Same with the costumes with the Winter's Tail, really. Those those mm-hmm. long coat tunics and high necks and things. There's something kind of suffocating about them, which I really found once I had them on, I used to kind of get that, that side of the character out. 
And then there's there's moments where you feel like you've got almost nothing on, like something of Wayne McGregor's like Chroma, mm. which is this kind of little shift thing, which is based on each of our individual skin tones and the freedom that you have in there. There's a little bit of movement, but it's structured and it's tight to your body. You mm. You have to move differently because everybody can see every moment of your body and what you're doing. And that also changes the kind of the extremity of how you move or the subtlety of how you move. And uh, that's interesting once you've got it on, it, do, it does change things that you've done in the studio in your own practice clothes. You go, oh no, no, this is not gonna work. Mm. Or sometimes you, it's not even that kind of conscious, you just do. Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned Chroma because Chroma, I really think about particularly also the set and, mm. and that extraordinary that um, white box of a box by John Pawson that yeah. was amazing. Yeah. Which makes me think about a little bit about the wind, um, which was amazing. Yeah. And Arthur that, Peters, uh, the wind. And that was an extraordinary role that you played in that, which makes me think about um, yeah. also costume as well. That, that was, was a tricky costume. I mean, there wasn't much of it. It was a bit of a loincloth and a skirt and a, a really, really <laughs> long wig um, in about three huge wind machines. Oh my so. God, did I mention your least favorite costume <laughs> inadvertently? Not my least favorite. I think it was, it was something that I had to work around. It was one of those things that you, sometimes you work really, really hard in the studio making the movement exactly what the choreographer wants and you try and wring everything you mm. possibly can out of it and then you step on stage and they put a long wig on you three wind machines and some plastic in your face and you can't do any of it and it's sometimes <laughs> the same with lighting sometimes you you spend ages trying to balance on one foot and you you work out where your focus is going to be and then they put you on stage in a spotlight and you can't stand up it's all those kind of things that take you probably three or four rehearsals on stage in full costume, lighting, wind machines, whatever music to make you go, okay, this is different to what I've been working on, but I, I, I know what I can do with this. And some rare, rarely actually costumes do that. But I, I did realize quite late on, I've always wanted to be the person that said, yes, I can make that work. Yes, I can do that. Yes. You know, whatever it was. No, 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 don't worry. That's your vision. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I wish I'd been a little bit more involved and like not saying yes and then crying afterwards when I'd fallen on my face because I couldn't make something work. You know, I wish I'd been a bit more clever. I think people are now generally, you know, I go into fittings with, you know, I've heard some people going, no, I just said, no, I'm not going to do it. I just said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm like, oh, that that's a thing. Okay. Yeah, I've always wanted wanted to, to make something work. And, you know, I think that's often why people wanted to work with me because I would, you know. And that I love that kind of challenge often. But sometimes costume-wise, you know, if, if things don't move or um, you can't move in them, yeah, it, it's a, a process of going backwards. Uh, you know, I, I can totally identify with that, that that kind of notion of always wanting to find a solution. I think definitely over mm. the last 15 years, it's always been about figuring out like, you know, oh no, you can't have a show there or no, yeah. you won't be able to do this or that, or this isn't possible to da, da, mm -hmm. da, 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 da. I always, I always agree. I mean, like you, I always felt like there was, there was a, a solution somehow. Yeah. Um, and what, when you think back to your last 27 years, um, what kind of stands out as a kind of, as a kind of highlight 
working with you obviously well that goes without saying that's one of <laughs> that's that's absolutely one of my highlights as well <laughs> definitely yeah no it was it, it was a, it was a it, that was an amazing moment to step out in the middle of a pandemic and have this creative experience when we'd been yeah. starved for so long i thought are we, we're never going to do this ever again so that was that was an amazing proper collaboration and uh, amazing thing to see this thing come to life um but in terms of me being on stage i I always say it's whatever the last thing I did was because they're all so kind of special and have so much of my my sweat in there, <laughs> my love in there. But um, the Dante Project was probably the happiest working time I've ever had. Mm. Maybe knowing it was the last thing I was going to do and it happened to be particularly brilliant. But it, it's, yeah, it's something I wouldn't change even for all its all of its kind of time challenges and delays and, you know moments thinking that it would never happen and being injured and all of that kind of stuff it, it yeah it turned out to be all of it worth it it kind of for me summarized how i imagined the director kevin o'hare was so extraordinary i it kind of almost summarizes how i imagine his kind of how he envisages his, the, the company you know mm. everyone kind of came together yeah and it was it was such a kind of extraordinary, beautiful thing. You know, everything from seeing kind of the duet with Satan at the end yeah. of the first act to these kind of extraordinary kind of spangled kind yeah. of angels, yeah. you know, in paradise and the kind of that amazing moment with the um, dancers emerging from the back of the stage. It, as an, as an audience member, mm. I, I, I definitely felt like we were seeing something um you know very important it felt very important it felt important and it felt like almost a little bit of a restart for a company it's a big new three-act ballet which is always mm. hard to do and and a lot of them don't survive if they you know they don't work uh but it had all those kind of brilliant elements of you know like we, we spoke about the music's amazing the design's amazing the choreography's amazing the dancers were kind of reborn in the, in this new way of, of moving. And uh, I think it really represented what the Royal Ballet is right now, mm. not taking away from what it has been or, you know, what it, what else is, is to come. But of that moment, it, it seemed like the perfect thing. Yeah, amazing. It was an amazing, it was an amazing thing to see. Um, yeah, I was just wondering how you know over the you know we're, we're thinking about you know we're looking back like mm. over things that we have done how do you feel over the last sort of 15 years how how have you changed or how has this did you look back on on any collections to to see where you are now in this latest one uh, i mean that's a good question i think often my work is um a kind of I, I always think of it almost as a thread mm -hmm. you know each collection relates to the previous one and I'm often really drawn to um, this idea of of, of narrative you mm -hmm. know the idea that each collection can tell the story of something so for example when we when we worked together um, that collection was really very much based on this kind of the you know the the, the arc of a dancer's career um, but I've um, and this last collection, which was, which actually you were, I was so happy that you were there. That was, which was amazing. Thank you. That was shown yes. at the British Museum to celebrate the 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, 
it was actually we had the we had the show outside in the colonnade, so the kind of the models kind of walked around the the, the kind of the periphery of the of the museum. Yeah. That was very much about um, two extraordinary women, Edith Sitwell and Ottoline Morell. And I was, I was inspired by these two women that were very much kind of outsiders, uh, particularly outsiders outside of the kind of the Bloomsbury group mm-hmm. and, and very kind of, you know, these extraordinary, eccentric individual women. Um, so but to, to go back to your question, how have I changed as a designer? I think, um, I mean, I definitely think you, you know, you evolve. I started in... In, you know, it was over. It was over fifteen years ago from that from that first show, and mm. I think your maybe your ability to think about your woman and now man, yeah, um, changes and broadens. You know, your ability to think about her in terms of who and what she might need when she wakes up, all the way to that moment of when she goes to bed, and I think maybe when you first begin, it's difficult to kind of see her in a wider way other than just dressing up and what she looks like it's exactly you kind of it she broadens you broaden and um and i think that definitely kind of happens over over time is that to do with your influences broadening as well things that you read and listen to and go and see does that always kind of spark something or is that yeah absolutely and i think one can kind of almost lead to another thing you know so for example like you know, when um, when the pandemic happened, mm-hmm. inevitably, you know, there was this moment where we needed to kind of shift our approach a little bit, you know, thinking about like knitwear or thinking about denim or thinking about, you know, life had just changed mm-hmm. in quite a radical way. And, you know, I'm often kind of really, I have to say, you know, it was so kind of repetitive, this notion of like casual dressing, etc. And, and you know, kind yeah, of, the leisure, where at home, the company, exactly. Was, yeah, we spent so much time talking about it, but but actually, in truth, it was it was it 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 afforded a time to kind of think about her in a in a broader way. And yeah. actually, you know, you know, developing knitwear and and other things, I noticed that I would see um, kind of the male members of the team kind of in the studio wearing those pieces of, yeah. of the women's wear collection. And actually that would then eventually. Is that what sparked the men's wear idea? Absolutely. That, it, right. was, it was, it was never like, Oh, I'm going to design a collection for, you know, the equivalent of her husband or right. boyfriend. It was an accessory to her. Exactly. It was, yeah. it was, you know, she was him and he was her. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, I mean, maybe it goes back to, um, one thing actually that we haven't discussed our twin is, sisters exactly we have a huge <laughs> a, one thing that we have in common yeah. is that we're both fraternal twins and yeah. we both have fraternal we both have twin sisters yeah. and i definitely can say as a, as a fashion designer that having a twin sister is definitely it's an impossible to escape you know i design for women now men mm-hmm. but having had a twin sister you know i i never i never grew up with a kind of a, a sense that like one's gender would dictate what you what you do it was I you never know, thought of it I never we were just we existed together yeah. and I, I wonder if your experience as a twin was the same exactly the same that's why I started dancing because my sister wanted to so it was I didn't even give it a thought I just wanted to do whatever she did and she wanted to do whatever I did because we were like this little little uh, team in a way and it you know in terms of, of dressing yeah she 
she's you know my my sister Liz she's got you know three brothers so that also influenced what she was she wasn't you know particularly girly in any way um mm. yeah it's funny how now thinking about it, it it is such an influence you know having such a close bond with with a, a female sibling. she has three brothers she's got three brothers me i've got an older brother and a younger yes. brother yeah yeah so interesting so you're one of four four big family yeah so it was only just me and my sister right um it's interesting i think it's i think you know from you you begin your life with another mm. person and you and you you share every beginning with that other person your first day of school your first day of preschool you're yeah. you know you're you're going through these kind of very important developmental stages together and and i have no doubt that that kind of affects you and influences you yeah. um it's interesting because we're kind of talking about gender and and mm-hmm. and also then i suppose designing um you know kind of flipping between designing yeah. men's and women's um and actually it's interesting because i look back to the collaboration with the royal ballet and and of course you know i was i was tackling both women and men mm-hmm. and it was absolutely the entire you know entirely the same um process i mean you're dealing yeah. with a different type of physicality let's say but yeah. it's a uh, but it was absolutely kind of in a in a in a way genderless you it know was. that's what i think of when i think about the designs you made they were really genderless they were beautiful and somehow managed to be neither feminine or masculine it, mm. it was just this this beautiful beautiful look they had um even down to kind of how the hair was and things like that it mm. kind of worked without anybody considering oh that's a bit too femme or that they look a bit too masculine it, it was just it just seemed kind of perfect mm. and I, I loved that and i i think that's what i love about your menswear stuff as well it doesn't look i'm gonna do i'm gonna dress a man now it just they're just beautiful clothes which mm. which work you know yeah well, Thank you. Just, you know, bigging you up there. Thank you. Thanks, Ed. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So if we're, like, doing this looking back thing of 15 years, what what would you say was a massive highlight for you? Uh, Well, I mean, there's been been so many highlights. I think probably... Working with me. Working with... Yeah. Working with yeah. Edward Watson would be <laughs> my number one highlight. Absolutely, um, working with the Royal Ballet was was definitely a highlight. You know, standing standing on that stage the night that the ballet premiered oh, you and taking the whole curtain call thing. Yeah. Yes, and taking a bow on the stage of the Royal Opera House was something I never ever thought I would ever do in my life. So that was definitely kind of stands out in my in my head. The last Costume Institute exhibition, mm-hmm. which um, pre-lockdown was on the subject of camp. Yeah, uh, and it was, and I was, I was, I was thrilled to be a part of the exhibit. And that was, that was definitely again when I started fifteen years ago. Did I, did I ever think was that I, like a dream? To... I, an absolute dream yeah. to kind of to be able to see, you know, two outfits um, as part of the exhibit. But you know, there's been so many, there's been so many moments. Um, you know, having a dress on the cover of British Vogue yeah. or a dress on the cover of American Vogue. Um, 
Uh, most recently, I, I was able to photograph my first editorial for, um, for Polish yeah, Vogue. Yeah, I love that because I remember, I mean, even your Instagram uh, page and stuff, you're such a good photographer. It, it's, and even when we worked together on set, you were taking behind the scenes stuff and they were all like proper pro yeah. images. It's great. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I started taking photographs just on a, with a film camera, mm -hmm. a little contacts T2, um, about 10 years ago. And just, I always, I always have my camera kind of quite close to me to take, to take images. And, um, and then I suppose as, as the years kind of went by, I kind of took it more and more um, seriously, which is, which, is, which is kind of wonderful to do, to do something that has absolutely nothing to do with 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 the other part of my my yeah. my world yeah. um but i suppose it's also so interrelated to it yeah it's still you, your your idea how you want it your work to look yeah i guess it's it's that kind of um that creation of something that is um visual which mm -hmm. i imagine for you in your next step your next chapter is you know absolutely the continuation of the last 27 years you know you you created a body of work that exists physically, and now you'll be working with the company to create a new body of work yeah. in a different form. Yeah, it's just not me doing it. <laughs> exactly, which hence why we can have lovely conversations I like know, this. I know, I've got time to talk to you. Exactly. Ed, thank you so much for doing this, and, and thank you to Matches Fashion for having us. Thank you for having me. If you'd like to hear more artists and fashion designers in conversation, head to your podcast app and search for Matches Fashion, where you can subscribe, leave a review and share it with your friends. You can find out more about everyone featured in these episodes at matchesfashion.com and you can join the conversation on social at, at matchesfashion. Until next time, I'm Danielle Radojcin. This has been In Conversation. Thanks for joining us.